Hi, everyone. I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, you guys. I am so happy that you are here tuning in for today's episode with Tobacito. I feel like it's been a second since we had a guest episode, even though we just had a one-week break. Last week, if you guys listened to the Tuesday episode, you'll know that it was a very special episode, kind of unique. I shared 30 lessons I have learned by 30. I celebrated my 30th birthday on the 25th, and we had a great time celebrating in Dallas the week before. And then this past weekend in California, my sister-in-laws really went all out with a beach day, volleyball beach day with all of my friends. I am feeling so grateful and blessed for the beautiful life that I have. I was actually a little overwhelmed on Sunday um, and quite emotional, just feeling so grateful. And again, want to extend that gratitude to you who's listening. So welcome. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Tova. And if you are back for another listen of HSDT, well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to invite me into your day. And perhaps if you'd like, you can head over to Apple and leave us a five-star review. That's a great way for people to get to know us, get to know the podcast. And again, I am so excited about all that's to come. As I mentioned, this past weekend was such a blast, so much fun celebrating, having a great birthday. And when we got home, I had a few packages to uncover and I was able to get a new Morgan made case. Many of you know that we do giveaways with college students on our Friday bonus episodes. We actually have a Friday episode coming out this week. And Maggie from Mignon Gavigan actually sent over some beautiful earrings as well. So if you haven't listened to her episode, I highly suggest doing so. You all are going to love today's episode. I'm sorry we had a little bit of an audio issue, but regardless, you're going to love this conversation with Tovacito. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of How'd She Do That? Today's guest, Tovacito, is the heart and soul behind the popular podcast, The Remedy, with Tovacito and Janice Gaunt. Tova is a former marketing executive turned Christian author, speaker, and mom living in Dallas, Texas. Tova is the author of three books, which includes a collection of devotional thoughts written to students and their parents called Jesus Loves You Always Will, as well as Borrowed Courage, which is Tova's third book, A Reflection on Her Life. Through her own story of personal loss and deep sorrow, Tova encourages women as she teaches and speaks about Jesus. When Tova isn't recording a podcast, hosting a workshop, or speaking at events, she is likely playing a game of Uno, water skiing, snow skiing, taking a long walk, or hanging out and enjoying life with her three precious kiddos. Tova, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thank you, Emily. I'm so grateful to be here. I feel honored and humbled to be your guest today. So thank you for asking me. It's well, fun you... to be a guest on a podcast. I'm, I'm like nervous and I'm always like, <laughs> wait, 
when people come into my studio to record and they tell me they're nervous, I'm like, that's silly. You don't need to be nervous. <laughs> now I'm on the other side of it. <laughs> well, likewise, I'm going to give you the same dose, the same uh, advice. Don't be nervous. I, I told you before we started recording, gosh, I, I was introduced to you and your incredible story actually through a podcast. So I love all of the overlapping of podcasting, but that episode you did with Jamie Ivy, which you guys, if you haven't heard. You should definitely go and check it out. So powerful. And I just felt such a heart connect with you. And then have since kind of followed along with you. I worked with Madison McKinley, the Madison McKinley team for a bit and kind of was reminded of you and your story then, which is how I originally found your podcast. So very fun. Oh God, I love Madison McKinley and everyone on her team. She's amazing. Yes. Well, it's so fun. And again, I just feel that I've had such a heart connect to you. And so to have you on the the podcast today, I'm so pumped. And I know that my listeners are going to be excited to maybe get to know you in a little bit of a different way. So I'd love to just dive in. Let's go for it. I'd actually love to go back quite a bit because I mentioned a little bit of your career and I'm excited to see how being an author and speaker ties into all of this eventually. But let's go back. Let's go back. Tell us a little bit about where you went to school and perhaps what you majored in. Sure. So um, I grew up here in Dallas. I live in Dallas and uh, I moved here when I was six and I graduated um, high school here. I, um, I was actually raised Mormon. And so when you're Mormon, if you have any Mormon listeners, they know this, they know this very well that when you're Mormon, you apply to one school and that's BYU. Yes. And pray really hard that you're gonna get in. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And so uh, I went to Brigham Young University. And I graduated high school in 89, so I turned 50 this year, which is so hard to believe, but I turned 50 this year and, um, went to BYU, graduated from there. I, uh, I was actually, this is funny. I was actually an a elementary education major and I went to go do my student teaching and, you know, you have to like be in the classroom. And the (laughs) second I went to the classroom, I was like, oh my gosh, I would be a terrible teacher. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> and so I went back to the counselor and said, how, how do I get out of college as quickly as possible? And they said either sociology or psychology. I asked them what the difference was. And they said, psychology is the study of the brain. Sociology is the study of the person. I was like, fabulous. Sociology it is. So oh. uh, I think a semester and a half later, I was out. I, I got to graduate. And so without any like real heart for sociology, even though now it's played a huge role in, mm. in my path. That was my major, but not because I, I plan to do anything with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Well, even that inside of you being at BYU. Oh my gosh. So this is going to be fun to unpack. So, okay, you, you graduate and what was your first role out of school and perhaps how did you land that job? So uh, when I graduated, I was still, I I knew I wanted to get out of Provo Mm -hmm. and if, and I knew I didn't want to be Mormon anymore. And so if you don't want to be Mormon anymore, then you move to Park City. That's where all the rebels live. That's where all the people who (laughs) want to have a glass of wine in Utah. 
go. Uh, so I lived with a bunch of ski bombs in a five bedroom house and I rented the basement and I worked as a marketing specialist for a, it was called Callware. It was like voice over IP. They were like the, one of the first companies to do like getting your voicemails in your email. Remember when like that, that was like such a big deal. Yes. Um, so that's what Callware did. So I, and I actually just got that job because there was a guy who lived in my apartment building who told me that they were hiring. And so <laughs> I applied. And so it wasn't because of anything, you know, because I was fabulous by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. But after a couple of years uh, living there, I knew I, I knew it was time for me to go. I wanted to go do something different. I had visited a college roommate. She was working as an intern for Anderson Consulting when I when we were in college, and I went to go visit her out in San Francisco. And I always thought I'm going to be back here one day. Oh. And so one of the companies that we were working closely with was called uh, Dialogic. They were actually purchased by Intel a couple of years later, but I went and I applied there. And so I moved, took a total left turn, leap of faith, horrified my parents and oh. moved to uh, San Francisco and oh. started working in, in telecom and I worked in Silicon Valley at the height of all the craziness, and uh, and that was just such an adventure for me. I loved it. I loved every single bit of living in San Francisco. Uh, now, how long was that stint there? How many years were you in San Francisco in that role? I was only there for um, two or three years. I wasn't there long. I met like just amazing friends and I had such a happy, good life. Um, mm. I mean, it was an amazing adventure. Um, but my mom, uh, was sick. She mm. still lived here in Dallas. Her and my dad were separating at the same time that she was really, really ill with cancer. Wow. And so she really couldn't take care of herself well. So I was coming home a lot to take care of her. She was still in the hospital. She was in a hospital for, she had breast cancer. She was diagnosed when she was 39. My mom was really young. She had me when she was 20. Oh my God. So when I graduated high school, she was 37. And so at 39, when I was in college, she was diagnosed with cancer and she fought it for 14 years. Um, wow. So she was really, really sick. And so I was coming home a lot. And um, when I came home, uh, I had run into uh, a guy that I actually had dated from home in high school and college. Oh. We reconnected, and and so I thought, okay, I want I, I want to see where this goes. I need to be with my mom, and so I came home, and I mean, a month, a couple of months later, I was engaged. Six months later, I was married, and so that was ninety nine. That was. Oh. 99. So I got married, uh, in 99, mm -hmm. um, and moved back here in 99. And I've been back here. So I've been back here ever since. 
Oh my gosh, back in Dallas. Well, it's fun to hear a little bit more insight into those earlier years of all things Tovacito and kind of what you were up to in your career and whatnot. And then tell us, because I know there is a, a stint that that you were actually stepping into motherhood. And as I mentioned, you guys, um, in the episode that you did with Jamie Ivy, it's so beautifully done. And so just an encouragement for those of you who want to hear more about this next season of life for Tova. Um, it's a great resource, but you did. So you you got married and then were you working or you were looking to, to move into motherhood? That was something you always had wanted to do. What did that season of life look like for you? So yes, when I came back, I, I worked for another telecom um, company just for a couple of years. And then uh, I worked... Um, for those of you who might be involved in like fitness or health and wellness, uh-huh. there's a place called the Cooper Aerobic Center here oh, yeah. at the Institute. Whoa. Yes. So I worked for Dr. Cooper. I was the marketing director at the, the Cooper Center for several years. Um, oh. But all the while, like you said, Emily, growing up, my, my greatest dream, my biggest desire um, my number one goal in life was to be a mom. I mean, I really, I, 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 I love being, I love having, I love being successful and I love doing the best that I can at whatever mm-hmm. I do, but I never thought, Oh, I just want to make a million dollars and be an executive of a company. Like my, right. my goal was to like be PTA president and have, oh. <laughs> you know, for my kids. And so getting starting a family was really 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 important to me so uh like you said people can listen to my podcast with jamie ivy i also wrote a lot about it in my book called borrowed courage but yeah uh, so from 2000 to 2006 i was pregnant four times the first time i had a stillborn at nine months Mm. the second pregnancy i had a miscarriage and then in 2003 I gave birth to a son named Charlie mm-hmm. who lived for eight months. And then in 2005, I gave birth to a little girl named Louisa and she also lived for eight months. She passed away in 2006. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, I mean, it was horrifying. It was not what I ever expected. My, so mm-hmm. I was married. I, I have since divorced my ex-husband and I were, were, good friends, but, uh, we, Mm. we, we had, you know, we had such a desire to be parents, but Mm. unfortunately we are both carriers of the same, of of the same genetic recessive gene called Mm. mitochondrial disease. So he's a carrier, I'm a carrier, which is incredibly rare. I mean, Mm. it happens because you children who are cystic fibrosis, a lot of downs, children, their parents are carriers of the same recessive gene. It's just really, really, really rare that such a rare disease like mitochondrial disease oh. that two people would share that same recessive genetic mutation. So oh it was it was a dark, 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 sad, sad, sad time. And mm. um the loss and in the middle of it all, I also lost my mom. Mm. Um, so it was just a, it was just a, it was a very difficult, difficult, difficult. I mean, after I lost Louisa, who was the last of my four, mm-hmm. it was, 
I mean, I really contemplated suicide. I, wow. I did not want to live. I, yeah. I, di- I felt like all my purpose, you know, people had all these great recommendations for me, like, why don't you adopt or why don't you get a sperm donor or why don't you, right. and all of those things just felt really offensive and yeah. sad to me. You know, I didn't want, I didn't want to do any of those things. I just wanted my children. And because that was my greatest mm-hmm. life dream it it felt like it felt like there really wasn't a whole lot to live for mm. um luckily i was too chicken to commit suicide i i thought about <laughs> it but i just couldn't do it and wow. and i didn't want to do that to the people that i loved i mean we i felt like we had all been through enough um mm. but it was it was not it was not an easy time mm. Oh my gosh. Well, and thank you for one, for sharing with us today that that insight into that season of life. And for those of you who know Tova now, or perhaps you've listened to the remedy, if you were to meet Tova on the street, I mean, we would never know you are such a vibrant, passionate, joyful person. And that's such testament to what God has done in your life. Um, and and I, we'd love to hear more. I mean, when we hear something like that, it, it is the most unimaginable story, testimony. We wouldn't wish it on anyone. And I, I'm, I'm so sorry that, that that's what happened in your life. I, but thinking of you now, I mean, for you to have gone through that and for you to be who you are today, encouraging women left and right, joyful, happy, laughter, smiling. I mean, what? What 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 did it even look like for you to begin to move forward? Maybe 2006, 2007, 2008. What did it look like for you to kind of slowly pick up the pieces and even smile again, even go out and about again? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, anybody who's listening to this, who's ever lost somebody, um, you know, it is hard to to smile and laugh again. And and when you start to smile and laugh again, you kind of feel uh, like you're betraying the loss. Mm. I know that might sound weird, but it seems strange. It it seems like a betrayal to Mm. the person that somehow life could go on or somehow you could find joy again. I, I really struggled with that. Um, One of the things that I did, um, because it was so difficult to your point to put one foot in front of the other. I mean, I, I remember just waking up and walking to the coffee machine and staring at it and thinking, how am I going to, how am I going to do today? Like, how am I going to live today? And I isolated myself. I had always been outgoing and happy, but I, was not outgoing and I was not happy. Um, I was not joyful. Um, I mean, I just, and I couldn't find it. Um, and so one of the things that I did because I didn't know what else to do, um, was I went and talked to my pastor. I had since joined the Methodist church and, um, I had really admired from afar. It was a, it's a very large Methodist church, Highland Park Methodist here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we did when we first got married was just find a new path in our faith. And so we had, mm. we had started going to this church and we really enjoyed the pastor, but we did not have a relationship with him. There's like 15,000 members. So it's, 
it's, but I made an appointment with him and I thought maybe he can give me some direction. Nothing felt right. Nothing felt good. I, the only thing I wanted to do was isolate myself and, and go to the cemetery. That's it. Those are the only things that felt good. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to listen to music. I did not want to have fun. I did not want to travel. I did not want to work. I did not want to do anything. So I went to get, I made an appointment with him and I sat down with him and kind of told him what we had been going through. And at the end of it, he said, and this guy's name was Mark Craig. I just, I, to this day, I adore him and and just give him so much credit for the tough love that he gave me. Cause I really don't know that anybody else could have Mm -hmm. done what he did that day, but I sat and listened, or he sat and listened to me. And then when I was done speaking, he looked at me and he said, are you done? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a mom, Mark. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, that sounds like it's not going to happen. And God did not create you to sit around and cry about your dead children. So what are you going to do? And I really wanted to punch him. Uh, (laughs) You know, I really did. I felt offended. I felt hurt. Um, I felt like I wasn't being heard. Uh, It was just, it was not an easy thing for him to say and an easy thing for me to hear. But Mm. the next thing I knew, he got up and walked out of the room. And I thought, what is happening? He comes back in with a woman from uh, HR at the church, her name was Elise. And he was, he said, Tova, this is Elise. Elise, this is Tova. Uh, Elise, Tova needs a job and we need help here at the church. And so Tova, you're going to come to work. And okay, Tova (laughs) and I found a church, but we went to church if it was sunny and I wasn't hungover and we found (laughs) a good parking place. And we, there was no, I had no business working at a church, none. (laughs) Um, And, but I, uh, so he, they hired me right then, right there. Um, I honestly did not know the, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were the four gospels. I mean, that's how pitiful my, <laughs> my Bible knowledge was. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, uh, but I started working part-time at the church. I was the assistant to adult ministries and, and the, the precious woman who was my boss, her name's Kathy Morgan. And Kathy looked exactly like my mom, oh, wow. um, which was just even more crazy. And she was so comforting. And every day I'd go in and at some point I'd usually end up crying. And she'd just call me into her office. And it was just exactly what I needed. It forced me to get up, forced me to And you know, what was else was great is nobody knew me. Nobody at the church knew my story. You know, everywhere I went with my friends or family, they just all felt so sorry for me, which probably was very enabling at the time because I felt very sorry for me. Right. But nobody at the church knew anything about what I had gone through or been through, at least when I started. And so they just they just treated me like a normal person. So if mm-hmm. I had a deadline, 
I had a deadline. Like it didn't right. matter that I buried four children. Like if I was supposed to do a, a spreadsheet and people were relying on me, I needed to do it. So wow. it was exactly what I needed. And I ended up working at the church for 10 years, over 10 years. I went through, I became ordained. I, uh, and I just, I, I became the pastor of um, a congregation called Cornerstone, which is the contemporary service here. Oh. And it was just amazing like the healing hmm. that 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 being at the church and being getting up and getting out and putting right. one foot in front of the other and smiling again trusting the world again you know it's hmm. i didn't trust the world to take care of me and hmm. and i i just i really found a great purpose the first after i left adult ministries one of the first things that I did was I started to work in the youth ministry. Oh. And so these kids just gave me purpose. They, it was like, I, I was a mom again. They were at my home and they, we were going on mission trips together. They were telling me their hard stuff. We were, it was just a beautiful, beautiful, it was exactly, it was exactly what I needed. And I was so very, 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 very grateful. And in the process um, of working at the church, I met another, I met a couple who I was doing a service project one day with, and they ended up becoming our good friends. And she was a school teacher and she would go to Africa every summer as an art teacher. And one day she was like, you should come with me. And so I ended up in 2009 going to Africa to work in this orphanage where she did artwork. Oh. And I was there for 10 days and I called my husband <laughs> and, and you know where this goes. And I, I told him in, in my, the phone call, I said, uh, Hey, listen, we have, we have three children in Africa. And I mean, he was, uh, I could hear his eyes rolling and, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Tova, get your ass home. Like, <laughs> yeah, get your ass home. And so we made this deal that we wouldn't talk about it for a month, but if I still felt the same way in a month, we would talk about it. Wow. So a month later, I went and got me Casina, which is Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> and, opened a couple of ultras and sat at our bar and said, okay, it's been a month. Let's talk about it. And, uh, so through, I mean, a much longer story, but, uh, a, a year later, I, all three of them were in my house. And so we adopted three kids from an orphanage in Ghana, uh, when they were, so there's twins, boy, girl twins that were, they were six, six. And then their little brother, George was five. And so we now have three kids. They're now 17, 17, oh. and 16. So they're oh. huge, huge yeah. African children in my home. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that's, that's like, I mean, it was an amazing, and it all just, it all just worked. It all went together. It all, mm. I, I, I mean, to your point, you know, if somebody met me today and, and, and Charlie and Louisa and my losses were a long time ago, but you know, I, I often think how many times as people, like 
we, we, cause we all have stories and your story is different than my story, but we all have stories mm. and, and we all have reasons why we could be curled up in a ball in the corner or vic, you know, good victims to this mm. earthly place. Mm. Um, but I have learned along the path that if we stay in that mindset, we're just missing out on the beauty. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I could be a really good victim, but I just think that if I I think about all the things that I would have missed out on if I continued down that path and it just would have been a huge waste of life and love and laughter and like being a, being a contributing member of society, you know, we, Right. We are all here for a great purpose. I don't even think for a purpose. I think for a great purpose. And if mm-hmm. we're not contributing to that purpose, then then we're missing out. And not only are we missing out, but so is the world missing right. out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I, I often say this in my episodes, and it's really when I have a lack of words to add would be pause and rewind. <laughs> Because what Tova just shared, I mean, I could argue Tova's story, number one opportunity to move forward as a victim in her life. I mean, who would who would deny you the chance to wallow and to be, I mean, your story in and of itself, you know, some people would say, well, you have a past, Tova. So for those of you who are listening, take note. Are you kidding me? With Tova's story, think of what it is that you're perhaps holding up the victim card in and think of Tova's story. Think of what she just shared. What can you let go? What can you release and say, you know what? That's not going to define me. That's not going to define my life. I have a life to live. The Mm -hmm. fact that Tova was able to do so, no doubt you can too. So this is just a pause and rewind kind of moment. And Tova, I mean, I already, I mean, from from the different podcasts I've listened to and just the the pieces of your story that I've heard, but to have you share it today, just just again, a massive thank you because to hear your story and then to see how you've thrived, you've found joy, you've found life and life to the fullest. Um, it's such an encouragement to me today. I know those of you who are listening, this is a huge encouragement to you as well. Well, I am curious because that's a lot to unpack right there, but as you're stepping out and as you, wow, you bring home your kids, in many ways, you are a mom again. You are. You are a mom again. So there's joy. There's excitement. I'm sure there was challenges as well. Where did you start taking the step towards writing and and thinking about, okay, how can I share my story? What did that kind of look like for you? Because you are your speaker, you're an author. What did it look like for you to step out and think, okay, I, I have something to say and I have something to share? Uh, so that's a great question, Emily. You know, I have to tell you when I... What after it kind of all when the dust was settling and I was getting my mojo back for lack of a better word, there there were a lot of people who said, You need to write a book. Mm. And I I always felt a little silly about them saying that. Like 
every, if I should write a book, everybody should write a book. Cause again, <laughs> I think we all have a story. You know, I don't, I don't look at me or my story or what I've done as any more spectacular than anybody else has the potential to do. And so I felt like, I felt like I didn't have any more to say than anybody else. And, but there was, I often have felt the presence of God in my life in the middle of the night. And I think it's just, I'm quiet and maybe I'm listening and maybe there's nothing else to listen to, but I really felt a sense of, you need to tell your story. You need to write, you need to write a book. I felt it in the middle of the night. I just felt like it was God talking to me. I mean, I didn't hear his voice, but it it felt, I felt a huge nudge. Like it's, and I am not a great writer. I'm not an author. I pretty (laughs) sure I barely got through high school English. I mean, there was, there's nothing sexy about my writing, but I, felt like, but it's so funny because I go back sometimes and I read parts of my book and I'm like, God, that was good. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not, it was really a, I I really believe it was God's story. It's a, it's a, it's a God story because I think there's a God story in all of us. Mm. And so it was, easy to write. I, I started writing it though. I have to tell you, I started writing it in 2000, uh, maybe 2013. And, uh, and then my husband and I's marriage was just falling apart. Mm. And I had already written so much of the book um, about some of our journey and the loss that we had shared together. And so I felt like it was kind of fraudulent like oh my gosh i i thought my marriage was xyz and then come to find out my marriage really wasn't what i thought it was all those years wow. um and so i felt so i put it down and stopped writing for a couple of years and then went through a very painful divorce and then i, I one day i thought you know what that is my story. Like that is what I thought my story was. Like I, I wasn't, that, that is my story, you know? And, and that's what I thought was happening. And that's what I, that's how I felt. And so I just picked it up and I finished it within like maybe three or four months. And, uh, and so I, I think it was 2006, 16 that I wrote the book and that was a very cathartic healing um you know it's 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 one thing it's it's why good therapists and counselors make you kind of write stuff down journal write letters to your past to your to people you need to say goodbye to or let go of Mm -hmm. it's a very writing is a very cathartic uh thing to do and so uh I never I never had big ambitions to be an author, or write a book, but it it really felt right. And and I believe that the book is a great blessing, and it's been a great blessing to people who've read it, which is very humbling. And 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 
I mean, it's just so humbling to think that anything that you could say would actually, could actually bless someone or help someone or change someone. Um, So that was a very humbling thing to do. Oh my gosh. Well, it's been an encouragement to many. And for those of you who are listening again, you can hear so much more about Tova's story and just so, I mean, we're just kind of skimming the the top of everything. And I'm so grateful that you would, you would do this, but, but really the details that you put into it and whatnot, it's, it's amazing. And, and, and to think of how you've come out of this, I mean, I'm even eager to hear because what we know now about your story is not only are you an author, a published author with three books under your belt, but you also host workshops and then started the podcast podcast. So tell us a little bit, because I'm curious too, what are you up to while you're writing the book? Are you still working at the church? Are you speaking? What does kind of career Tova look like during this season? Or is it you have been a pastor and are continuing in that role? Is that the case? What What are you up to as you're writing? And then, gosh, you're even looking at, hey, I could host a workshop and, and then the podcast begins. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So I, when I worked at the church, I, I absolutely loved it, but my children were little and I just really felt like I needed to pour more into them than I was able to. Mm. And so I resigned. Um, and that was a very difficult decision because I loved working at the church and, um, and it was, and it, the church had blessed me so much, um, but it was just, it, it was a different season. So I came home, this was 2016. Okay. And, um, and that's kind of like right after I came home is when my marriage just started to unravel, which was just beyond devastating to me. And so yeah. I, Act, but that's when I was writing my book and, and that's, I didn't, I, I continued to teach Bible studies, but I didn't do a whole lot. I was in a real, when I was going through my divorce, that was a very difficult time. Mm. And I really didn't feel like I was in an inspiring space, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and after about a year or two, it really felt like, okay, um, I'm ready to get back out there and do stuff again. So um, I continued to teach Bible studies. I started speaking. People would ask me to speak at women's conferences or even business conferences um, and uh, workshops. I, I my the girl that I do the podcast with. I started the podcast on my own, and then my dear friend Janice was a a uh, she's she was actually my counselor when I was going through my divorce and she was a guest on my podcast a lot. And so, yes, and we had so much fun doing it together. I was like, why don't we just do this together? So it's all like, it's so funny how amazing God works. Like I wake up every single day, Emily, and I say, God, light my path, show me the way and give me the courage to follow. And, Mm. and I have felt him do that very thing. I have felt him light my path, show me the way and give me the courage to follow. Mm. And so 
I, and I'm a yes girl, so <laughs> I will say yes. Um, I've also started uh, counseling. I do a lot of spiritual counseling um, mm-hmm. out of my home. I uh, do a lot of premarital counseling, which I feel very strongly about. Um, because I'm an ordained pastor, I get to marry people, officiate weddings. And so if I officiate your wedding, you have to do premarital counseling with me, which might be one of my favorite things that I get to do. Um, so it's kind of like this hodgepodge of speaking. Janice and I do workshops, uh, especially when it's not COVID. I mean, speaking's slowed down and, and workshops have slowed down, but, um, but it'll pick back up. And, um, and I just, my, my, my twins are now juniors, so I don't have a lot of time left with them. And so it's, it's kind of, it's exactly as it should be. That's how I always think of it. Like it's, I'm right where I am supposed to be doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I really do feel God's presence and in, in my life, my podcast has been so much fun. Uh, We call it the remedy because we like to give life remedies. So whether we're giving remedies about relationships or communication or sex or parenting or eating disorders, uh, addiction, we talk about all kinds of subjects. Sometimes we have guests um, and experts. I mean, we, we, we have, there's really not a subject we haven't (laughs) (laughs) uncovered or tried to solve, but, uh, and, and we have so much fun doing that. Um, so it's just, it's like this, I feel really inspired to, to inspire. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I feel like God's gifted me with some things that I feel a great responsibility and burden to, to be a good, be a good steward of. And so I feel like the things that I'm doing creates the opportunity for me to, to answer that calling on my life. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, it's so fun to see you thriving and to see all that you do with the remedy and the encouragement that each conversation brings. You guys are going to love hearing Tova's voice again over on the remedy, but I'd love to know, like, because as I'm listening, I mean, the, the obstacles that you've overcome in life are, are far larger in many people's minds. It's like, Tova, what? You've done this and this and this. And it's almost like, oh my gosh, it seems like there's been so many different pockets of your life, so many different seasons, and yet you're still going, you're still excited. And you just said you feel very inspired to inspire. What would you say to someone who actually feels the total opposite? And perhaps they haven't lost a loved one. Perhaps they haven't struggled with an eating disorder. Perhaps they just feel a little bit of a fog, or maybe all of those things are true about them how would you encourage someone to seek and find that inspiration and purpose that you have obviously been able to step into? Well, that is, that's the, like the million dollar question. And it's it's why I wrote my book and it's why I titled, it's why I gave the book the title Borrowed Courage. And I talk about it in my book, but there were so many days, there have been so many days in my life where I have not felt inspired to inspire, where I did not know what I was going to do next. And, 
And I think that those seasons are okay. You know, we, we, I have a lot of grace for myself and for others for those moments or days or times, periods of our life where we just aren't feeling it and we yeah. don't know what to do next. And, and I, I, I say borrow courage, like mm. fake it till you make it. Like, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of people that I have borrowed courage from people mm. that, that were in a different place in life that I knew I wanted to be in. And so I looked to them and I borrowed their courage. I borrowed wow. their, their inspiration. I borrowed their drive. I borrowed wow. their forgiveness. I borrowed. Oh my like, gosh. You know, I didn't have those things inside of me. And so I found other people in my life, including my faith, especially my faith, you know, yes. to inspire, to insp you know, give me the courage when I didn't have it. Oh. And, and so that's, honestly, that's what I would say is, is don't feel ashamed or don't feel, don't dig yourself into a deeper hole because you're in a hole, mm. um, which is such an easy thing to do. And I know a lot of people that, um, that I have counseled over the last year, you know, especially with COVID and kids home and financial crisis and, and losing jobs. And th the struggle is real. Mm. And, and, you know, we feel like we shouldn't have struggle. And yet we live in a, a fallen world. We're humans that live in a very human place and mm -hmm. we're going to struggle and mm -hmm. there will be seasons of struggle. And so um, find, find, surround yourself with people who inspire you, can inspire you to do it different and 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 then just borrow it until you can get there yourself. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you kidding? I I have chills. I'm wearing Ugg slippers and sweats and I have <laughs> chills right now. Okay. <laughs> Ova, oh my gosh. I mean, one, how I mean, how eloquent, how eloquent, how well said the encouragement for those of you who are listening, for those of you who, who have kind of tuned in and it's like, oh, what's going on with Tova? Let me check what, what's going on with her. Did you hear that takeaway? That's not a takeaway of like, let's put it, you know, in a quote and put it in a little meme. That's like a life takeaway. If you're looking for encouragement, if you're looking for strength, I love it. Borrow, look to inspiration, Put those people around you who are going to encourage you and hear it from Tova, who has come out of some of the biggest pits life could possibly offer someone. She's saying, don't dig yourself into a hole just because you're in one. Yeah. Look up, look up, see who you can borrow that strength from. Even today, borrow it from Tova. She's offering it so many times over in this episode. Are you kidding? I mean... Oh my gosh, I'm I'm just going to be thinking about that because it is it's so true to be able to look around and say, okay, where can I find inspiration today? Look at this friend of mine who's so joyful. I'm going to borrow some of her joy. She's so happy about this situation. I'm going to be happy for her. Let me borrow some of her joy, strength, courage. Look at my friend launching a business. I'm going to borrow some of that courage because I kind of want to do something too. I mean, Tova. Oh my gosh, 
I'm, you're blowing my mind over here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's out there, you know, it is out there. And, and even, even when it feels like it's not out there and, and one time I heard this great, uh, pastor give this great sermon and it was like so, so silly, but, um, it's just stuck with me forever. He said, if you're not dead, you're not done. Mm. And, and I have, yeah, I've just thought, okay, I'm still here. Oh. And so I, if I'm here, then I'm not done. And if I'm not done, then what am I doing? Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I feel like we were all created with great purpose. Um, I believe every single one of us was created for a great purpose. And it, it takes some people longer than others to figure out exactly what that is. But, and, and it doesn't, you know, not all of us are going to be Oprah or the Dalai Lama, you know, like right. sometimes, you know, my, sometimes my great purpose for the day is to, to be really kind to my kids and make them good meals. I mean, that's my yeah. goal. And, and sometimes I kill it and other times I don't. And <laughs> And yeah, you know, our goals, our daily goals don't have to be world changers, but they yeah. can, if it's changing your world, then it is a world changer. You know, if, yeah. if our behaviors are positively impacting ourselves and those around us, then we are, they, we are being world changers. It may just be your world, but it's still yeah. happening. You know, I, I, I think it, I think it, it's little things. It's not, it's not, doesn't have to be you know, a life changing, life altering, um, thing. Yeah. I, I was counseling a a mom this morning who, who feels bad because she's just a stay at home mom. I'm like, Mm. are you kidding me? Like just to stay there are, there's no just, Mm. (laughs) there's no just. And so it's just doing the very best that you can with the life that God has given you today and all of those best adds up to not just a best day, but a best life. And it really, having that outlook is life-changing. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to be thinking and replaying so many snippets of this conversation and a big chunk of them are in what you just said. (laughs) Oh, it's so true, Tova. I mean, thank you. Gosh. I I mean, well, first of all, I feel like I could talk to you for like five more hours, but oh my gosh, I, I, yeah, there's so much to unpack you guys. I mean, listen to what Tova's saying, check out the remedy, continue to stay connected with her. I know I'm kind of teasing this. I'm going to ask her in a little bit where you guys can connect with her, but you're obviously going to want to. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to listen back to this and just take it all in. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, I know that you always, I mean, even mentioning this morning, you had a counseling session, there's always lots of fun things happening for Tovacito. Um, And so I'm wondering, (laughs) what's next for you? What can we be looking forward to in the future? Well, I, um, I, I cannot wait to do to, for COVID to go away so that we can yes. get back together. I, I really believe that women are just the best part of the world mm. and women coming together. I don't think there's anything 
quite as powerful as that. Yeah. And uh, so I've done women's retreats and workshops in the past and marriage uh, retreats and workshops. And I really look forward to, to getting back together. I really think that community is just such a blessing. And I think that when we don't have it, we really suffer. You know, I think that mm. our, I think society has suffered. So I look forward to creating more opportunities for people to connect and come together. Oh, um, yes. That's, that's, that's on my list as soon as, as soon as we get the green light. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I'll be one of the first to join when I'm back visiting Dallas because that would be amazing. And for those of you who are in Dallas, you guys will have to stay tuned. Well, Toba, we covered, I mean, years at this point in the conversation. I can't thank you enough, but I do want to know, is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to? Uh, I don't think so. No, I love it. Oh. <laughs> uh. Well, likewise. Well, this has been so fun. And I mentioned earlier just my, my first introduction to you, and I can't wait to hopefully at some point give you a big hug and a big thank you in person. But it's been so fun to think of, gosh, just, I mean, years ago at this point, hearing your story and then being reconnected with you with the Madison McKinley team and whatnot. I love the different connects that, you know, in this specific conversation, I would say God connects, heart connects and whatnot. Um, so I always love to ask, I always love to ask guests, who do you know that should maybe come on and share their, how'd she do that story? Oh, I think the first person that comes to my mind is a precious friend of mine named Mary Catherine Bass. Mm. She, um, is just so joyful. Her joy is off the charts. So I don't know if you've, I know you've been to Dallas and you know Dallas well, but I don't know if you've ever been to the gem. Yes, I have actually. Yes. Okay. Juice, juice bar. Her and uh, another friend of mine uh, named Leslie Needleman, they own that. But oh, I, so if you've ever been in there, it, you know, they're, they're just so fun and happy oh. and just such a fun and happy place. But she, um, Mary Catherine's probably been my greatest inspiration, especially over the last few years, mm. just being a single mom, going through a divorce, struggling with how to forgive. And yeah. um, she, she is, she's just been a huge inspiration to not just me, but a ton of women and people in this community. So uh. I, I always wonder, how does she do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's find out oh my goodness yes oh thank you you all will have to... you want to know how to find joy or do you looking for somebody to talk about joy oh. um or forgiveness she's she's your girl thank you you guys will have to be on the lookout for a potential episode with mary Catherine. and i love the gym so it's all tying in amazingly. Oh wow. my goodness. Well, I know I teased this earlier and you guys who are listening, you probably have already done this. You probably already downloaded some of the Remedy episodes and you may have already found Tova, but Tova, where can listeners connect with you? Um, so I'm on Instagram um, and it's be the remedies at be the remedies. Um, and uh, they can email me at tovacito at gmail.com. Uh, I have a website, tovacito.com. Um, and 
That's about it. Well, Tova, I I really cannot. I mean, we kind of talked about this before recording, um, and I was kind of ooing and aahing over just the inspiration, the joy, the courage. Actually, you know what? The courage you've lent me today. I'm taking a lot from this conversation, and I really, really appreciate your time. So thank you. Thank you for coming on today's episode. Thank you so much for having me. It's really it's really been a highlight of my day. I've been kind of cooped up with oh. this big storm here in Dallas. <laughs> I was, I, everything I'm doing, it has to be Zoom. And so connecting with, with people is just, it's the highlight of my day. So thank you so much for having me. And I'm so proud of you and what you do and how you inspire people to do better and live better. And you're, you're changing your little world too, Emily. You're doing an amazing job. Oh. Well, thank you, Tova. And like I said, I'm looking forward to Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week for a new episode. Talk to you soon.